Welcome, my friends. I'm glad to see you. If we were to leave tonight, leave this forest suddenly, and go somewhere else, you and I, where would we go? Where would you like to go? I've been thinking about it. I've been getting that itch, that little touch of yearning, to shake everything up. Just as everything was getting quiet and calm again. I know it's not wise. I know it's not healthy, maybe. But I feel it, and I need to acknowledge it. My little, tiny, chaotic leanings that don't allow me to be quiet and calm for too long, despite the fact that I prize those things over everything else. Oh, dear. Anyway, where would you go? Where have we not been together yet? In past lives we've gone to the city, bright and noisy and alive. We've gone to rocky, stormy cliff sides over raging seas, forests, lakes, dream worlds, prisons of darkness, cold and empty pits. We've been to the circus. We've been to tower after tower. What now? Did I promise that I would never ever leave this forest? I hope not, for I've already broken that promise many times. Let us ask the cards. Where should we go next? I shuffle, shuffle, shuffle here in my forest, and as I do, I fear a little for the trees growing more bare, for the air growing more chill for the ground growing more hard. I've chased away the fire that made its way in and out of this place, but I bet I can make some myself if I need it. Anyway, I stop shuffling. I draw a card. It is the Knight of Swords reversed. It is upsetting, but it is fair. This knight is unfocused, impatient, restless and careless. He leaps without looking, he speaks without thinking, he barges ahead without any plan or any regard for the consequences of his actions. He lacks control, he speeds and spirals with great energy but no direction. One does not really want to be like him, according to the cards. His path often leads to catastrophe. He moves too fast, so he gets exhausted too quickly. So he makes mistakes. He is human after all, though, and mistakes lead to learning, therefore he is not necessarily on the wrong path. He is just on his path. It would do him well to be a little more cautious, a little more disciplined, a little less impulsive. But maybe that wouldn't be fun. The card does seem to say, find another way, 
This is not the right way forward. Rethink what you are considering. I asked the cards where we should go next, and they are asking me back to take care, to not rush ahead. I don't think they want me to leave. I feel like someone's watching me. I feel it. Like electricity. Something I never experience here in this place full of nature and spirit and little else. Skittering across the surface of my skin. My surprisingly and increasingly human skin. Which is feeling the cold all the more acutely now that I mention it. Do you feel it too? Are they watching you too? Or is it just me? What do you think we should do? Listen to the cards and wait here a little while longer? Or do we just go? With no destination, no map, no rations, nothing. Do we just go? Let's proceed very carefully, whatever we do. Starting with a story. Let me tread very, very lightly into this one. I know that I want it to be a love story. I know that I want it to be a fairy tale. I would like its protagonist to be a stout-hearted young man. Perhaps a little foolish, and perhaps a little arrogant, and perhaps a little self-centered. We may call him our hero, but I'm not sure yet if that's exactly what he'll be. Well, let's let him decide as we go along. He may yet redeem himself. He was a young gentleman from a wealthy family and he lived sometimes quite comfortably in their stately home in the countryside, though he did not often deign to spend his time here, as it happened. He was more taken to staying in the city, where taverns and clubs and theaters and shops and everything he could want could be received in mere minutes' time. He did not much care for the quiet of the country. In that quiet... His voice echoed in his own mind far too loudly, and he did not like it. He wanted to block out his own voice, you see. It told him to stop and consider what he believed, and whether he was living what he believed. It sometimes spoke softly to him, telling him that he was very, very lonely, and that no amount of company party after party in that noisy city, could change his loneliness, unless he confronted it directly. He detested this voice. It said things he did not like, and so he tried at all times not to listen to it. His parents, too, did not love staying in the country house. Since our hero had been a little boy, they were often traveling, going on fascinating journeys without him, having party after party themselves, and he would be left with the house's staff only, who did not much care for his attitude either. 
That is where he had begun to detest his lonely, quiet voice within, you see. And when such a voice is ignored for too long, it can be a dangerous thing. Now that he was an adult, he avoided that place as much as possible, and he was fairly successful at it. At the start of the story I'm about to tell you, however, they were traveling once more, you see, his parents. They had decided to take one more exciting journey. As such, they asked him to return home and mind the estate. Only for a month or two, they said. In eternity to him, in the quiet timelessness of that place. Not without protest and complaint, he gave in and came home. The first night was the worst. The staff was minimal. Only the housekeeper, a maid or two, and a groundskeeper. Though the place was so large, he rarely ever saw them anyway. His breakfast was always laid out hours before he even came down the stairs, and his dinner was ready for him at the same time every evening. His bed was always made whenever he returned to his room for the night. His clothes were cleaned and folded and left for him by his room every afternoon. The place still worked like a well-oiled machine, and it seems the staff still did everything in their power to avoid him, as they'd done when he was a misbehaving, impertinent child. They did not like him. Fine, he did not like them either. Though, to be fair, he didn't like anyone. He didn't like himself, most of all. It's funny how these things feed on themselves. One night after he ate his dinner, which he detested and so he made sure to create as much of a mess as possible to leave behind him, he retired to his bedroom. He tried to read a book. He tried to write a book. He played solitaire. He recited monologues to himself in the mirror but the minutes crawled by like hours, and finally he lay in bed, in the dark, watching the shadows from the tree branches outside his window dance across the walls in the moonlight. It would have been beautiful, he thought, if it wasn't here. This place, where he felt like the version of himself that he detested the most. He heard a voice outside of his window then. At first, he was irritated. Had the housekeeper had too much wine? Were the maids mocking him? He glanced out the window and saw in the gardens below, a young woman. He couldn't tell much about her, but she seemed to be wearing the most lovely flowing nightgown made of some kind of silver gossamer, and her hair golden and so fine that it seemed to float in the air around her as she walked, slowly her bare feet hardly tiptoeing across the grass. 
they almost floated, as though she were on the moon, or perhaps underwater, so lightly and slowly she stepped. He was so struck by her beauty that he didn't wonder how she wasn't catching her death of cold. Not that he often noticed others' discomfort. She was walking through the gardens, holding a little pink flower in her hand, plucking its petals delicately and singing to it. Perhaps she was from one of the neighboring farms that he had never thought to visit. He regretted this decision now, but he was a little thrilled at the discovery. If he played his cards right, he could find a little fun and mischief out in the countryside after all, he thought to himself. As she approached the wall his window looked out from, having not looked at him yet, he assumed she didn't see him or know he was there, and so he let himself feast on the sight of her. But then she stopped and looked up, right into his eyes. She knew exactly where he was and what he was looking at. Her smile was knowing, sly, and perhaps a little scolding. She dropped the flower and ran. Wait, he called out and quickly grabbed his housecoat. Down, down, down the stairs he went through the front door out to the gardens. But she was gone. Only the flower remained. He picked it up and smelled it. He did not recognize the look of the bloom, nor its scent, but it was beautiful and intoxicating. He smiled to himself and turned to go back to bed. Though when he did, he looked down at his feet, when he felt they were suddenly very cold and wet, even through his shoes and he realized there were little puddles of water in the cold grass. Odd, since it hadn't rained. Oh well. Back to bed it was, though he could barely sleep for his excitement. Ah, how the existence of another beautiful young person suddenly made a stay in the countryside all the more palatable. The next day he was in a much better mood. He even smiled and nodded when he saw the groundskeeper raking leaves in the garden, looking concerned at the strangely waterlogged terrain. The groundskeeper nodded back. The following night the young man decided to wait in the conservatory on the main floor, from which he would be able to watch the gardens carefully. He hoped in his heart that the beautiful girl would come back. Not because he was lonely, no, no, and not because she was the first one to make eye contact with him since his arrival, of course not, and not because he found her breathtaking and wanted very sincerely only to know her name, but because he was bored. That's all, he told himself. He waited with a cup of tea that he let grow cold in his hands, his foot tapping and his heart racing as he waited for her. Hours passed, his eyes opened and closed, 
and she did not come. His heart sank. The quiet voice inside of him spoke of sadness and disappointment, but he told himself that it was anger as he dashed the teacup into the fireplace, leaving the spill and the china alike for someone else to clean up. The cup of liquid had extinguished the last of the dying embers lit there. But then he heard her. The same song, the same voice from the night before. Not outside, but in the house, in the room with him. His eyes hadn't adjusted to the darkness yet, but when he turned around, he suddenly saw her face. Clear in the moonlight, her eyes dark and full of potential tricks, her smirk confirming them. Before he had a chance to cry out from surprise, she leaned towards him and kissed his cheek very quickly, before running away, her feet leaving a trail of wet footprints across the wooden floor. He followed after her, through the conservatory, through the hall, and out the front door which had been flung wide open. He saw her ahead of him, running barefoot through the night. He followed as quickly as he could, shivering at the night's air. He called out for her to wait, to stop, to please wait. He followed her, all the way to the bank of the nearby pond he used to swim in as a child. He immediately pushed down the happy memories that arose for him here. They were gone, and now remembering them brought only sadness. He only saw her dive into the water and begin to swim away. Don't... He started, reaching towards her, his hands shaking from the cold. And now he was genuinely worried for her. She had begun as a conquest for him, but now... He felt like a child again, and that perhaps she was the only one who would play with him. She was his last hope for joy here. Don't swim away and freeze, please, the sad little voice inside him said, and he agreed with it. But she was gone, and he cried at the bank side, sure that she'd met her doom. How could he tell anyone what he had seen? Who would believe him? Perhaps she was real, but if she was real, she was dead. If she was not real, then certainly she must be a phantom, and then she must still be dead. Either way, she must be dead. Either way, he mourned her. Days went by and he didn't see her again. There were no puddles in the garden, no wet footprints inside the house. Whatever she was, she was gone. He was beside himself with grief and shock. He was silent and grey, but too much so to be his usual discourteous self. He cleaned up after himself. He never scoffed at the maids when he happened to see them and they noticed. 
they noticed his tear-stained face. The housekeeper even gently came to him and asked if he was unwell and if there was anything else she could do for him. He politely declined. All he wanted to do was walk the garden and the bankside. As it grew dark one evening, and he still found himself pacing the edge of the pond, the groundskeeper came to him and asked him, too, if he was well. The gentleman did not reply, but asked suddenly, Tell me about this pond. Do any of the neighbors from the farms around here swim here at this time of year? The groundskeeper grew pale. I would not swim here, sir, for any price, not even in the summertime, least of all now. He stared out at the water and continued, This place is haunted. The young man let a few tears fall from his eyes. Dead, indeed, he thought, and imagined the poor girl, the lovely young woman who he had almost let himself believe was a new friend, if nothing else. The only friend this place had ever brought him. The groundskeeper walked him back home, kindly placing an arm around the humbled young man. He went to bed that night. He did not watch the garden. He did not look out the window. He went into a dark, lonely, dreamless sleep. He was woken up by a voice and a tapping at the window. He sat up in his bed, and there she was, right outside his window, staring in at him, smiling as ever, floating, hair floating, feet floating, water dripping off of them as she stood there, shining in the moonlight. His eyes widened in terror at the sight of her. They were three floors up, and she was floating outside his window, beckoning him to open it. But he didn't think twice. If he listened to the little voice inside of himself, it might have said, Take care. Something is not right. Listen to your fear and take care. But he did not listen. Louder was his impulse to run to her and fling open the windows. So he did. She grinned and beckoned at him with a curved finger to follow her. She floated slowly away from the window, though she didn't turn away from him. She kept her black eyes on him at all times and drifted slowly and steadily towards the pond where the moon was reflected, lighting her way towards it. He didn't think twice. He ran. Out of his bedroom, 
down, down, down the stairs, through the front doors, his feet bare, only in his silk pajamas, shivering. He ran to the pond. She was waiting for him there, standing with her feet submerged, smiling as always. He ran to her and stopped at the edge of the pond, a few paces away. What is your name? He asked her, panting, his instinctual terror being pushed further away by his carefully honed loneliness and pain. She was here. She was still here. Come a little closer, and I shall tell you, she said. He stepped into the water. He gasped at the cold. His lips were beginning to turn blue, but he did it anyway. He reached towards her about to slip, but she took another step backwards, now at her knees in the water. Please, tell me your name, he asked her, his teeth chattering. A little closer, and I shall tell you she said, her smile even more wide, and her eyes wide too. Very large and black they were now. Her smile, he could see a little more clearly, full of teeth that seemed so white and gleaming in the moonlight. Shaking, he took another step in, now to his knees. He was breathing fast now, his body trying to keep itself warm, but failing. Just a little closer, my sweet, and I shall tell you my name. She said it so softly, so prettily, that he thought to himself, she is casting a spell on me, whatever she is. Take care, take care. And when they were both up to their elbows in water, she finally came closer to him. She wrapped her arms about his neck, and her arms were even more cold than the water was, and his breath was ripped out of his lungs from it. She leaned in close to him, her eyes now all black, her teeth full of sharp, pointed fangs. Her skin he could see now, shimmering, as though covered in silver scales. Her face seemed hungry, gleefully hungry, and full of mischief, as he had been when he'd first laid eyes on her. Conquest. I have no name. My kind has been here since long before this place had a name. You thought to come to my waters and catch me up like a fish, but it is I who has caught you, my fine young gentleman. Now you are mine. You've been here this whole time he asked. She froze. She did not answer. 
what will you do now? The little lonely voice inside of her cold heart told her. She did not usually like listening to this voice. He caught you, and you caught him. Will you tear his throat open with your fangs? Will you punish him for falling into your trap? Is your vengeful cleverness worth more years of bitter loneliness? I was in that house while you were right here, he whispered as he remembered all of his lonely years in this place. And she remembered hers, a monstrous little fairy child, watching human things play in the sun and the warmth, watching them being given food and drink and toys and shiny things that she could only have ever dreamed of, while she had to claw and bite her survival one morsel at a time her entire life surrounded only by monstrous fairy things that left her to her own devices. No one to play games with, no one to chase but fish and frogs and other cold-blooded things that did not love her. He saw the little voice inside her at that moment. The lonely one, the one like his, passing through her eyes, behind them like it was a goldfish in a bowl swimming back and forth. Just a little voice that said, Listen to me. I'm lonely and it is changing me. Listen to me. And he did not feel any differently. He did not want to conquer her. He did not want to catch her, and he did not want to flee from her. He very slowly, slowly enough that she could move away if she wanted, arms open as if to ask permission as he did it, wrapped his arms around her, too. If he could have said anything, he would have said, I am here but his teeth were gnashing too violently against each other. It was too cold for him, but he did not let her go. She was confused at the gesture. Fairies know how to play games and trick humans, but emotion, openness, honesty is something they are unpracticed in. Just like with humans, exactly like with humans. Everything went dark for our young gentleman, and his body gave in. The next morning, the housekeeper found him in bed, pale and cold and shivering, but alive. He was clutching a pink flower in his hand that he refused to let go of. His recovery was swift, much to everyone's surprise given how cold he was when they found him. And days later, wrapped in a housecoat, a blanket, warm socks and slippers, and carrying two cups of tea in his hands, 
he sat in the conservatory, staring out at the garden, his eyes closing as the sun set and the fire died. And when he heard a familiar sound, he smiled widely, his teeth looking a little whiter and a little sharper than they did a few days ago. And he heard a voice whisper in his ear, Monsters in love. Monsters trying not to be so monstrous. My favorite. I cannot say that the Knight of Swords reversed is so bad if he inspired this story in me. Leaping impulsively into dangerous waters. Mm. I don't recommend it. But he was lucky to find someone else who needed to make a leap there with him. So, where shall we leap to without looking tonight, my friend? Sleep on it. No harm will come from sleeping on it. We'll discuss it later. Sweet dreams. everybody, and thank you so much for joining me this week for episode 171 of On a Dark Cold Night. Kristen Zaza here, and if you don't know me, I'm the narrator, writer, composer, producer, podcaster behind the show. I can't believe it's almost December already. I don't know how ready I feel for 2022, but it doesn't matter. It will come whether I'm ready or not. It's just time, not a big deal at all. I'd like to send a big thank you to everyone who supports the show by donating monthly on Patreon.com. I couldn't do what I do without your generosity and support, so thank you so very much, my friends. If you'd like to support the show on a monthly basis, I'll tell you about some perks you can access. For $1 US a month, you can receive access to my entire soundtrack, which expands pretty much every week. And for $5 US or more a month, you can get that as well as access to a monthly tarot reading video I post on every full moon. I just did one last week for the lunar eclipse and had a lot of fun doing that. If you want to learn more, you can visit patreon.com slash darkcoldnight and check it out. If you'd prefer to donate one time only without either of those perks, you can do so through coffee.com by supporting me in the form of metaphorical coffee. Head on over to ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight to learn more. And finally, we have t-shirts and hoodies for purchase at bonfire.com slash on-a-dark-gold-night. I'm still doing some brainstorming about more merch. I know I sort of pressed pause on that when things got a little hectic over here, but I promise I am still working on that. Catching up on a few things lately, uh, but I am getting there. If you'd like to help out in a super supportive way that costs nothing, you can leave a rating and a review for On a Dark Cold Night on iTunes. I'd really appreciate that too. 
You can also follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter at a dark cold night, Instagram at dark cold night podcast on my Facebook and YouTube pages, just called on a dark cold night and on TikTok at Kristen Zaza, K-R-I-S-T-E-N-Z-A-Z-A. Thank you so much for being here with me this week. Still not sure where I'm going next, but I'll try to do it with a calm mind and an open heart, and hopefully only a modicum of healthy caution. Sweet dreams, my friends. Be well, and talk soon. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar.